0: Good afternoon and welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll check in with some local farmers and find out what impact this rain is going to have. Also, we'll talk with AAFC's Agri-Climate Specialist, Trevor Hadwin. And up first in today's Country Comment, we'll get a cattle market update from Brian Peria with CanFax. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Joining us on the program is Brian Peria with Canfax to give us a cattle market update.
1: For the most part, for the last you know several weeks, as you're well aware, drought's certainly been the, the top story of the kind of affecting the markets or concern over the markets. Uh, from a price perspective, uh, you know, the markets have held together relatively well. Um, you know, not only are we seeing cattle move a bit early, uh, you know, we're seeing grain prices, you know, record high uh, and continuing, you know, new crop prices just have not come off at all. We're seeing, uh, you know, barley in southern Alberta pushing towards nine bucks even on new crop over $8 anyways, and then a lot of corn coming north, uh, but extremely high prices uh, for this grain. Um, but on the other hand, you know, yearlings, guys that have had to sell grass cattle have done quite well. Uh, You know we're seeing eight-weight steers pushing towards two dollars again, which is you know quite pretty decent price, all considering uh, where they're at. And calves have been holding, holding together as well. uh, You know five-weight calves, similar to where they were a year ago. Now not always the greatest comparison to a year ago, but you know still two two ten to two twenty on a lot of on some of the early five-weight calves, and and even stronger in some points and some places.
0: We've had some uh, rain here in Manitoba over the past few days. I guess how how are things out uh, west there?
1: Yeah, you know, a lot of areas uh, getting some rain. Uh, some some places still not particularly significant at this point or to change much. But uh, other areas, yeah, there is some grass even starting to green up again. I think Alberta's not too, too bad. Saskatchewan's uh, quite spotty as well. But that said, you know, I think we've already seen some of the numbers. You know, the cow numbers coming to auction marks have eased up a hair from where they were three weeks ago. So uh, maybe there's a, you know, a chance or, you know, maybe we're not going to hopefully liquidate as many cows as uh, was uh, initially anticipated.
0: Canadian dollar has been jumping around quite a bit lately, uh, sitting at about 79 cents now. But, uh, you know, what's what impact is that having?
1: Yeah, well, that's the thing. You know, one of the biggest things with the, driving these yearling prices, for example, to be as strong or higher than a year ago, despite the high grain prices, you know, the dollar came off three, four cents almost they're now down two or three from where it was but the cattle futures, you know overall the market fundamental for cattle prices look pretty good uh 2022 cattle futures continue to hit uh you know new contract highs so they're anticipating strong prices into 22 and that's given you know really that's what's motivating these seedlocks to pay as much as they are uh for these feeders and hopefully that'll continue uh you know if these if 2022 continue to look optimistic cattle prices are strong uh hopefully uh you know these this cattle market can stay uh relatively steady uh through the fall
0: any COVID issues at at any of the plants or are things running pretty smoothly yeah no packing capacity
1: is running really well here in canada you know our throughput's been very strong part of the i think lag on the market has been the u.s some of their you know plants have not come up maybe to where they were before and labor issues but even there the last couple weeks u.s or north american uh throughput's been quite strong and that's helped uh the overall fed market tone uh, improved a little bit here over the last week or two. So no, through the most, especially in Western Canada or across Canada, uh, packing plants seem to be
0: operating really well. Anything else to add here, uh, Brian?
1: Fed cattle prices, you know, they also bumped up. They you know, they dropped from the mid-160s in May, June, down to about 150 uh, through most of July and early August. But, um, you know, they're, they're, they crept up a couple dollars last week. Uh, you know, we do have to watch feedlots still with all all the costs and uh, the Fed market not as strong as we'd like it. Uh, they're they're continuing to see some red ink uh, in in the marketplace, but uh, for the most part, um, hopefully, they they we don't see too much more downward downward pressure on the Fed market.
0: That was Brian Peria with CanFax giving us a cattle market update. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. Farmers and ranchers would like to see more of a focus on agriculture during the federal election. The Canadian Cattlemen's Association has released its federal election priorities. President Bob Lowe says they would like to see government focus on increasing trade and market access and enhance the economic resiliency and competitiveness of the Canadian beef industry.
2: Of course, when we export 50% of our production, trade and market access are fairly huge. We want to increase the capacity and efficiency of the beef trade potential and continue to grow
3: and improve access in key markets.
0: He notes they're also calling on the federal parties to develop a climate policy that contains nature-based solutions. And the Canola Council of Canada has some advice for harvesting thin, low-yielding canola. Here's agronomy specialist, Sean Sanko.
4: I guess first is, deciding um you know looking if you're gonna straight cut or, or swath the crop if you've decided to go swathing just making sure you take a good look at it um, because of the drought and soil variability it can be fairly variable across it so you know we still want to make sure we're not swathing too early and, and getting the the most yield we can which is um, you know waiting to let uh, at least 60 70 percent seed color change
0: that was a look at today's farm news I'm Corey Canute' Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Ag for Tuesday, August 24th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll talk about the drought with AAFC's Agri-Climate Specialist, Trevor Hadwin. Today, Glendalee allen Vossler talks with AAFC's Agri-Climate Specialist, Trevor Hadwin, to get a sense of the drought situation and how it compares with other years.
2: I'm going to start back uh, last September, um, and we, we went through a dry season last year as well, but... Uh, starting last September, we started to see our anomalies or our, our departure from normal precipitation really drop off. Uh, so we had a very dry fall period, a very dry winter period with very little snow, low runoff. And then this summer, uh, things turned for the worse again, uh, where we had uh, record low precipitation through the spring period and record high temperatures right through Western Canada, that really caused things to uh, accelerate in terms of their drying and, and removal of soil moisture and and really caused the, the conditions that we're seeing right now.
5: Give us a, a sense of, of what's happening in each province, in each area. What are the worst hit areas that we're looking at?
2: So in terms of an agricultural perspective of drought, uh, the worst-hit areas, for sure, are in Manitoba and and specifically the Interlake region of Manitoba. Uh, that region has been extremely dry for for well over a year, and um, the producers in that region do not have water supply, do not have feed availability for their crops, and their pastures and and crops are are down significantly this year. Um, so, uh, that's our our biggest area of most extreme drought. But the drought stretches wide this year. Um, We have seen drought conditions from northwest Ontario right through into uh, Vancouver Island. So um, that's a fairly unique situation with this drought. Um, Most droughts are are a little bit more localized, uh, covering one or two provinces, and, and mostly just parts of the province, either the southern portion or the northern portion. This drought this year is very widespread, again, covering all of western Canada, um Saskatchewan has large portions of of drought um that we rate as extreme drought right now uh, so the area up in the central portion of the egg region uh, Saskatoon and, and a little bit south as well as uh, southwest area is in a a very significant extreme or exceptional drought condition um conditions improve a little bit in that or into um into Alberta, but uh, again, the the drought it has been expanding over the, the summer period. Uh, luckily, they had a little bit more moisture going into the to the year uh, from last year's excess moisture areas uh, in the northern agricultural regions of the province. So that has really got them through this year, uh, despite the the very dry conditions and the hot temperatures.
5: Now, as you said, we're talking about this drought really impacting us from B.C. into parts of Ontario, virtually half the country. Have we seen anything like this before?
2: Yeah, certainly uh, drought's a normal part of the climate cycle. But uh, the the problem, again, with this drought, it's so widespread, um, and not only just in Western Canada, but stretches way down into the U.S., uh, covering much of the northwest portion of the United States. Uh, so when we're looking at, um, areas that can help out by providing feed, uh, for livestock producers or, or we can move livestock to areas that, that don't have feed, uh, into areas that do have feed, um, we're really struggling with that right now. Uh, producers aren't able to source feed from neighboring provinces or even, uh, neighboring states. Um, so, that becomes the big problem. Um, in terms of a comparison from previous years of drought, um, it's it's really hard to look at one drought compared to the other because they, they are so different. They they come about a little bit differently and the timing is different and the impacts become different because of um, uh, different technologies used on the farm. Farm practices have changed and we're much better off now than we were uh, 30, uh, 50 years ago in terms of how to manage drought. We've, we've got better practices like zero-till that can serve the soil moisture. We have uh, infrastructure in place uh, to provide water uh, to a large region of the prairies. Um, and, and producers have uh, dug dugouts on their farms to, to try to preserve the water uh, from winter runoff. Um, all those things have helped us through this drought. So it's really hard to compare to previous droughts that you think of, like the 1930s and 1960 droughts. Um, The the more recent drought that we have, 1988, uh, was a fairly significant drought that uh, we've been comparing the 2021 drought to. Uh, The the big difference, again, between 1988 and 2021 is that in 1988, the drought was fairly localized. It it was in the southern portions of the prairie region, whereas this one stretches much beyond that region.
5: Just what kind of precipitation events do we really need to see in order to help lift us out of this?
2: In some areas, this is actually year number three or four of a dry pattern. So um, when you when you look at the long length of, of the drought, things have to take that long to recover as well. So we're starting to see a little bit of moisture in the prairie region uh, in the last couple of days here. Um, some large amounts of, uh, rainfall into, uh, Manitoba. And, and that looks like it'll continue over the next little while. That's certainly not gonna benefit producers, uh, at this point, um, for this year. Uh, crops have already established and ripened. Uh, pastures have already gone dormant. Uh, water supplies might fill in some areas or, or might benefit from some of this rain. Uh, so there, there are some benefits. The the big benefit is that when we look at the rainfall we're receiving receiving right now, and into the the fall, hopefully uh, that will start to recharge that soil moisture, and provide some moisture for the the pasture systems to start to um, to uh, build up their root systems to to help them through the winter period as best they can and get a good start to next spring. Um, but in, in areas that have been suffering from drought and the severity of this drought for the last year or more, um, pasture productivity is going to take a big hit, even if it, even if it starts to um, get a little bit moisture out there, uh, even if we get that rainfall, we are still going to see uh, deficits in, in the future, and, and it will take a while for things to get back to normal.
5: That's Trevor Hadwin, an Agri-Climate Specialist with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada. For Golden West, I'm Glendalee Allen-Bossler.
0: Thanks, Glendalee. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. On behalf of Glendalee Allen-Bossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Manitoba Beef Producers is hosting a webinar tonight on mental well-being in times of crisis. That starts at 7 p.m., It'll be held via Zoom. You can register on the Manitoba Beef Producers website. And the Canadian Beef Industry Conference has been rescheduled and moved to an online format this year for August 31st to September 2nd. Go to CanadianBeefIndustryConference.com. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Tuesday afternoon. Time now to check in with a couple of local farmers and find out what the recent rain is going to mean. Reporter Shannon Duick chatted with Ben Signer with Mark Hutlid Seeds in the St. Anne area.
6: So, I mean, I know September's right around the corner and school always starts. So I, I would liken the, the recent rain to, to basically a teacher that's extended the, the final project deadline after half of the class has already handed in their work. So basically only the the procrastinating crops are going to be benefiting. So uh, in terms of soybeans, the, the earlier varieties... Uh, that mature earlier they're basically done for the season those plants are starting to yellow that seed fills complete and uh, really there's not going to be a lot of change here except for pushing back the harvest date a little bit the later maturing varieties they're still dark green in the field so that seed size, seed size is still increasing um, although so far we've seen kind of limited additional pods at the top of the plants so that would be filling now so uh, it's not going to be that drastic, but it's going to help uh, promote good plant health towards the end here. And again, those late maturing varieties on the soybeans will benefit a little bit more.
0: What about for corn?
6: Well, corn the ultimate procrastinator. So uh, it, it does grow later into the season. Um, the issue with corn is that that pollination is complete, so we're not actually building yield at this point. So we basically look at it as protecting what's already there in terms of yields. So at this point, those kernels are all filling, so there's going to be a bit of an increase there just on kernel size, but it's not like we can build yield at this point in the season. Um, so really, our, our expectations this year is that there's, there's a lot of damage that's already done. In the worst fields, there's plants that are actually drying up and done for the season. Um, but again, corn is still filling at this point, so this rain is definitely needed for us. The other thing that's happening is that with with some of that water in the soil, we're actually able to pull up the nutrients that we need to fit it, finish off the season here.
0: What sort of yields are you expecting for the corn and soybeans uh, this year? I know that uh, when we talk about uh, some of the other crops here in the southeast, uh, a lot of the farmers are kind of saying it's almost like a half crop this year. What are you expecting for corn and soybeans?
6: Yeah, corn and soybeans are, are probably a little more variable in terms of those areas that got just uh, one extra shower kind of midsummer, to keep things going along. Um, but really, the, the realistic expectation on corn is, is going to be close to half of, of what the expected yields are that, that we planned for at the beginning of the season. Uh, soybeans might be a little bit higher, but again, there's areas where the plants aren't very big. Uh, the pod counts are coming back pretty, pretty low. And uh, again, it's, it's probably going to be closer to half, maybe 60% of, of expected yields in some fields.
0: We've seen an early start to harvest for most of the other crops. Can we expect the same for corn and soybeans this year?
6: Well, not necessarily. This is really going to kind of put a, put a delay on things. In terms of corn, what happens with the extended droughts that we've been having is that the leaves roll up and aren't basically producing photosynthesis throughout the day. So it actually pushes back the maturity. And that's the, the other risk that we're kind of looking at now on some of those highly stressed fields is that they're probably two weeks behind in development from where we would expect them to be, given how much heat we've had this summer. So if we do get an earlier September frost, that's going to be an issue for the corn plant.
0: That was Ben Signer with Mark Hutlet Seeds chatting with reporter Shannon Duick. Morning show host Chris Sumner was out at the farm of Murray Frabe, who farms in the Homewood area.
3: We have just finished what I'd call like kind of stage one and we're done our wheat, we're done our oats and we've uh, finished our, our first plant of canola. So it's kind of, uh, and then of course the rainfall on the weekend and paza, uh, everybody can stay in the yard here and have a good meal and be thankful for what we got. Um, wheat for us, it was of course, how do you compare, even us as a seed farm it's tough to compare all the seed varieties when mile by mile, field by field can vary so much. but. Close to Carmen, we got 53 bushel an acre across the scale, and uh, right in our local area, 20 to 35 was pretty average for some wheat crop that came off. Oats, uh, anywhere from 75 to 85 on our high side on some fields right close to Carmen. Caught about half an inch extra rain, and then closer to home, Fifty was pretty average, but we did have some fields around twenty and thirty as well. And this is a reality check, and that's what it, what it is. All right. So after the break, which we hope won't be too long, what's next on the harvest agenda for you guys? Yeah, and we're enjoying a nice uh, fall evening here tonight. And fall means edible bean season and uh, soybeans. We've been involved with soybeans now in, into 25 years, and uh, those will be quickly around the corner, but at least this rainfall is going to give us some reasonable seed size and those pods that the plants has. That was
0: Homewood area farmer Murray Frabe chatting with Morning Show host Chris Sumner. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. The Canola Council of Canada has some tips for harvesting thin, low-yielding canola. Agronomy specialist Sean Sanko talked about combine speed.
4: They're meant to... Be fairly full um, just to get the the proper threshing action and um, and run properly. So this year it's going to be trying to do what you can to to make sure you're getting enough into the combine to to have it running properly. So making sure the you know, things like your guards or knives are in good shape. If you're straight cutting, pick up reel set at the right speed. Uh, don't be too aggressive with it. You know same thing with swathing. Um, you know try to lay a a, a good swath and make sure your pickups in good shape so you can you can keep some good ground speed up just to, to keep the combine operating
0: properly. If swathing, the common recommendation is to swath canola when the main stem has 60% seed colour change. And the Canadian Cattlemen's Association has released its federal election priorities. President Bob Lowe says they're calling for the federal parties to focus on a climate policy that contains nature-based solutions.
2: We need the government to recognize that the beef sector is a key part of finding a solution for climate change and maintaining biodiversity. We need to elevate the ability for farmers and ranchers to participate in and benefit from investments in natural climate solutions and for the, for the government to push back against misguided climate policies.
0: He notes they would like to see government focus on increasing trade and market access and enhance the economic resiliency and competitiveness of the Canadian beef industry. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll take a look at the province's weekly crop report. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.